And uh, man, when we were praying, I think when Spence was praying, and then um, we were praying for the mothers, Holy Spirit just kind of wrecked my heart. I just, just feel his tenderness today, and I don't, I wasn't expecting it. I was kind of like ready for just a charge message, and then, I, and I got a text back from uh, my mom and stepmom, too, and, and, and then sitting by Gigi. So I've been privileged to have like four moms. I have a Hawaiian mom that just went to, with, to be with Jesus about a month ago, and then my mother and my stepmother, and then Gigi. And, um, and I, I mean, there's something, you know, we are created in God's image. We know all in Scripture God has a masculine pronoun in Scripture, he. But women are created in his image. So everything that's in a woman is in God. And there's just a tenderness and a loyalty and a self-sacrificing and just that Kind of like, you know, in the, in the wild, like when Jesus said, oh, I long to cover you when he's talking about Jerusalem, when he wept over Jerusalem. And he said, oh, I long to gather you under my wings like a mother hen. And you know what mother hens do in, in a fire? They gather their chicks under their wings and they die. A mother hen will, will be burned to death and then all the chicks will live. And I just am so grateful for mothers. <laughs> And women, spiritual mothers, who are, you know, it's just, we are blessed, men. And women, you have mothers as well. So, and, you know, some have mother wounds or, or lack of mothering or we all have. Did you know there's no perfect dad or perfect mom? That kind of makes me feel good. <laughs> I don't know about you. But the father has more than enough more than enough to fill anything that's been lacking in our lives. And I shared, actually with this service, the second service, a little bit of my story last week and, and not, you know, and just my brokenness and the Lord's grace in my life. But I just felt, I wanted to start the message. I just felt the Lord saying, start with the good news. The good news is God gives you more than you could ask, think, or imagine. It's what Spence mentioned, that he loves you more than the best mom in the world more than the most gracious, generous father in the world, right now he wants to overwhelm you with love and goodness. And um, yeah, it's so good. You know, what's so great about that is everything else is extra. Uh, when I do marriage counseling, I'm always like, you know what? Don't depend on your spouse for love. Depend on the Lord for love. And receive, get filled from him. And then whatever they give you, that's, hallelujah, that's extra blessing. <laughs> like, I didn't, you know, I'm fine. Just, you know, he is so good. So I just feel like he's jealous for us and he wants us to um, enjoy him and his goodness. So, amen. Well, last week we talked about who we are, our identity, who he's made us to be, and how you know, he is our identity, and he, we have been formed in Jesus. We have everything we need, and each of us is uniquely created with gifts and passions and calling, and we don't have to compare or compete. Um, and today, uh, when I was meeting with Keith, we were processing about this. He, he had this phrase, the family business, and I love that. It's like, you know what? 
We have an identity individually and we're called just to know who we are in Jesus and walk that out, all the blessings he's given us. But at the end of the day, we're created for purpose. And we have an assignment. And, and you know, we're gonna have eternity forever, ever, ever. Who knows the adventures God has for us? By the way, we're not gonna just sit and play harps in clouds. That's not what my Bible says. It says we're gonna rule and reign with Jesus. And that we're, our character is going to be, is eternal. It's, we're faithful with little on this earth. He's gonna give us more even in eternity future to judge angels and who knows what else. It's gonna be exciting. So I just wanna encourage you. That's gonna be much more full of life, like no sin, no sickness, no Satan. And full partnership with Jesus as his bride. We have an amazing, glorious future. But we have an assignment on this earth. And I want to take us back. Um, well, first, let's look at Ephesians 2.10 just to reiterate. We ended with that verse last week. But this, is, this just sums up who we are and what we're made for. For we are God's workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece. You are so valuable because, you know, the most valuable things in the earth are the most uh, scarce. So there's only one of you and billions and billions of others, there's just one of you. Your fingerprint, who you are, your personality, every body, soul, spirit is so unique that you are priceless, you're his workmanship, you're beautiful, you're, you're made intricately, you know, profound. But, so you're his workmanship, but you're created, your origin is Christ Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, you're, he formed you. You're created in him, and you have a purpose for good works, you're not, you know, good means you're going to do excellent things. You're going to thrive. You're going to be blessed, and you're going to bless. That's your destiny. That's your purpose. And then you're like, well, I got to figure this out. You know, I, this is so hard. Anybody, I remember so many people ask, especially as you get younger, but even in middle middle of life, I'm not, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm close. But it's like, well, now what do I do? And who am I now? And it's so many of us get our identity from what we do. And I mentioned that last week. We have to get our identity from who we are. And what we do comes out of that. But this is amazing. We're creating Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So we don't have to strive and stress. We have to yield and trust. Because he's prepared good works in advance for us to do. And I, I, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's discovery. You know, what, when you feel God's pleasure, what are you doing? He doesn't lead us like with, um, you know, one of those games where you're, you're out. You know, you went out of bounds or you messed up. It's like he leads us by his spirit. His spirit moves within us. It the desires he's given you, it's like taste and see and know that I'm good. You taste things, and like, that's amazing. Well, that's part of what your portion is. And you, you know, he is so good. 
He hasn't created you to do things you don't want to do. And you just got to persevere and buck up and just kind of strive or just be so empty and so like, okay. And by the way, the good works aren't always your nine to five job. (laughs) It's what did he create you to be? It could be, you know, like fostering. It could be just serving. It, whatever it is, it need, he's created you for that. And he wants you to discover it. I love the Proverbs 25. It talks about it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, to hide something. It's the glory of kings to search it out. So I encourage you, if you still haven't found that, what is it? Keep searching. Keep looking. Keep knocking. And I was, I mean, I didn't know until I was 30 I remember just trying different things. I was called to missions. I was serving, but I didn't know what it was. And, and um, when I was 30, I finally did things, and I realized that's what I'm created for. And so I just encourage you. He's cre- prepared these good works. Okay. Now this is, I don't know if I've ever preached a message exactly with these scriptures together, but I want to go back before sin, sickness, Satan, to the original assignment that God gave us. You know, there's the Great Commission, which is really what I'm basing my life on in missions, but there is a first commission before the Great Commission that God gave Adam and Eve, but it applies to us today. So let's look at that in Genesis 1.28. So Genesis 1.28 is the creation of Adam and Eve. And it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Now this is the first commission. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. So I'm just going to take those four things. The, the passage is much longer, but this is the commission. And I want to submit to you, I think this is still our assignment. What does fruitfulness come from? It comes from intimacy. The very beginning of all this is intimacy. Now, God was speaking very practically to Adam and Eve about children. (laughs) You want to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. But it goes beyond that. But everything that is going to create fruit, all fruitfulness in our lives comes from intimacy with God. And so that's the first thing, is we're to have intimacy. And some people are really into intimacy, just want to me, myself, and Jesus all day, all night. And, you know, it's just like intimacy with a, a male and a female, a husband and a wife. It needs to produce fruit. So your intimacy needs to produce fruit. John chapter 15, Jesus said, that you're a vine, but you need to produce fruit, fruit that remains. And if you're not producing fruit, God's going to make sure you produce fruit. He's going to cut some other things off your life, lift up vines that are down in the dirt. He's going to make sure because that's our destiny. So you're called to be intimate and fruit producing. And not just a little fruit. The second thing is be fruitful. Multiply. Multiply. So he's not okay with just 
a little, oh, I got my little fruit, and I'm going to put them on a mantle and just, oh, isn't that cool fruit? <laughs> he wants us to be multiplying. Our expectations need to be bigger. and Because it, it's not us. He does this in us and through us. But be fruitful and multiply. So I believe everything we're to be doing should be expanding and growing. Not that we're to be self-focused and selfish ambition, and, but we're to expect great things with a great God living in us. So some of us, probably the thing that I've noticed that is the most harmful for fruit-producing people is accolades from others. Say, why would you say that, Todd? Because it makes you think you're doing good when God has so much more. Oh, that was so great. You're so great. And don't compare yourself. Either your smaller amount to someone's larger amount or your larger amount to smaller amount because it either makes you insecure or proud. So you run the race marked out for you, but I want to challenge you this morning. I believe there's more for all of us the little that you have, God loves to multiply the loaves and fishes that we bring him. And you need to expect that. Some of you may have gone, I was so passionate at first, and now it's just kind of getting boring. Well, let me challenge you. I think you're supposed to get tenfold more. Man, that was a great first run. What's the nine more things? Set your hope. Set your eyes above Multiply. And then what's the goal? Fill the whole earth. It's global. It's beyond us. It's global. He wants every tribe, tongue, nation, language, people worshiping before him. He wants all creation celebrating. Their, all creation's groaning for the sons of man, sons of God to be revealed. He wants redemption to all the earth. And then the last thing, fill the earth and subdue it. The word subdue it is, there's different words used for that translated, uh, take dominion over all creation. Literally, in the Hebrew, it means to cultivate, to like farm the land. It also means to tame it, to put it in order. Make it beautiful. Make, bring it in alignment. That Hebrew word means all that. It reminds me of a, a farmer that said, you know, he, he had this beautiful farm and had the trees lining the driveway and the grass and everything was, you know, he had gardens and in his house and all the shrubs and everything. And someone came out from the city and was just like, oh, Farmer John, God has, hasn't God blessed you? Look at this land. And Farmer John said to the city boy, you should have seen it when it was God's. <laughs> Didn't look at all like this. Now, there's a joke there, but that's what subdue the earth means. You're to take what God has allowed you to steward and make it beautiful. Bring it into alignment. Bring, cultivate it. And that is every sphere, every category. With the the orphans and the poor and the broken, where to go and bring alignment, bring beauty, cultivate, steward. So that's our first commission. Isn't that awesome? 
Now, I want to um, show you that this is something that Jesus reiterated. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to jump from the beginning, first commission to the end of Jesus' teaching. He gives three parables that I believe are end time parables. And he starts this whole passage in Matthew 24. In the beginning of Matthew 24, it talks about there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, diseases. Uh, there's going to be fighting between children and parents and, and brother will betray, betray brother. And the love of most will grow cold because of wickedness. This is like intense. But guess what? It's happening in our day. Wars, pestilences, evil, even people saying, I'm done with church. I'm, I'm done with walking like this, is, this isn't the country club I signed up for. <laughs> you know that, and then in the midst of that, I love the very, the verse 14 of Matthew 24, which follows all that, says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. So the time for the gospel is the time of wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, you know, the, the birth pangs, it's going to get more intense, just like birth pangs before the birth. And so that's the context of this next chapter, 25. And I believe chapter 25, the three parables show how we're to thrive, survive, and, you know, just exceed in all God's purposes in the midst of the end time trauma, difficulty, Shaking. And guess what? It goes back to the first commission. The very first parable, if you see Matthew 25, 1 to 2, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. So this, uh, hopefully this parable is familiar to you, the, the wise and the, the foolish virgins. And how the wise virgins are the ones who bought their own oil. They didn't have a, just a lamp. They all had lamps. But the five wise ones had a jar. And when the foolish said, give us some of your oil, they said, no, we can't give you our oil. You have to go buy your own oil. And there's that picture that you have to pay the price yourself for your oil of intimacy with God. You can't rely on Keith or Megan or Gigi or anyone else in here. You have to buy your own oil. Your intimacy is your first priority. To be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, you have to be intimate first. So the very most important thing is we look forward towards thriving in these end times is we have to buy our own oil. And some days, I'm, are you busy too, like me? Sometimes it's like, ah, gosh, I didn't have much time with the Lord. Or, oh, I had my Bible open. All day it was open. I was hoping it would read itself to me somehow or something. <laughs> like, you know, anyone else... I'm actually self-confessing myself from yesterday and this morning. I was like, I had my Bible open. I was just going to soak and really get saturated so I'd be really anointed this morning. 
And then this morning, I again got up early, went down, and the same thing. I just, I mean, yesterday I had other things that were really amazing the Lord allowed me to do. Um, she's not here, so I'll say, like, I was going to go buy flowers and do all this stuff for my wife yesterday, and the Lord said, remember she asked you to build a fence for the garden? I was like, I hate building fences. For but I was like, the Lord said, come on. And so I walk outside, and, my, and I told her, I was going to go get you something, but the Lord said to build this fence. And she's like, oh, honey, honey. And she's so excited. Because <laughs> she's a doer, and she, her gardening is her passion. And I was like, this is not romantic. This is not, you know, but for her, I was like, hallelujah. And the same thing this morning, I was like, came down, ready to get all ready for this message. And then, and then I, was, I felt this whisper, Lord, go get her flowers. <laughs> and, and like, just go out and cut some all around and go to the neighbor's house, or this other house. And, you know, I, <laughs> I wrote a card. She, she actually printed some cards for her mom and she printed extra, and I was like, I'm just going to use that. <laughs> I wrote, because I knew she wasn't expecting me to go anywhere. And, and sometimes she doesn't like me running to the store last minute. It's like, you just ran and bought something. So I know she'd rather me do stuff. And Anyway, I'm just sharing. So all of that to say, I didn't soak in the Word and just have my meditation with the Lord. But I just, as this morning worship, I felt the Lord say, it's grace. And I was like, okay, that's good. I'll start with that for the congregation. He said, no, you start that with for yourself. It's like, what? And I realized I was feeling I had to do some more time in the Word. I had to do more time just so I'd be ready. And you know, that's works. That's striving. So my intimacy with Jesus is I just walk with him. And I realized, you know, he was whispering this morning, said, Todd, you know, Jesus said, those who love me will obey my commands. So God's love language is obedience. And I felt him saying, Todd, you've been walking with me. You obeyed me. That's intimacy. And so we need to let go of some of the pressures we put on ourselves of what intimacy looks like. Even the way this is challenging when you're married is you want to love your spouse the way you want to love them. Anybody agree with that? It's like, I want to get you this because that's what I want to give you. And it's like, well, no, I'd rather you build me a fence. It's like, that's not love. That's labor. Wow, I'm just venting a little bit. This feels good. <laughs> Praise God, she's not here. Um, so I just want you to give yourself, your buying your own oil is your walk with Jesus. And no one can compare, compete, or judge that. And we need to, it all starts with grace. We only love because we've first been loved. So God knows that. To kickstart intimacy, he wants to initiate it. We just have to yield to him. So that's the, that's the key, the first key. Second thing, let's look at the next parable. It's Matthew 25, 14 and 15, parable of the talents. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability, then he went away. Now, this is, there's a lot of things here. But we cannot, first thing, we can't compare what talents someone else has. We're not responsible for that. We're responsible for stewardship of whatever we've been given. And I love how it's each to his ability. So God wasn't unjust. The one talent, the person who got one talent, was they were able to steward one talent. 
person with five, God gave them the ability to steward the five. And so he's never going to give you more than you can handle. And he's not going to give you too little. But listen to this. It's crazy. Um, I don't know if... Well, first thing, do you know how much a talent was? A talent is a measure of weight, by the way. It was weight. It was 5,000 gold coins. 75 pounds in, in our you know, measurements. Guess how much one talent was? One million dollars. If you add up 5,000 gold coins. When I looked at the footnotes, I've done it a couple of times, looked up the Bible dictionary, it's like, are you kidding me? I thought it was like 300 bucks or something. The five talents was $5 million in their currency. And God's saying, I want you to multiply it. And the one who received five, the, the one said, he went at once and traded with them. He didn't wait. He's like, I'm running. Let's get this thing. Let's get this thing in the market. Let's get this thing going. And then it says, uh, the, he brought five more and, and the Lord said, well done, good and faithful. You've been faithful over little. I'll set you over much and to enjoy your master. And then the very end when the one with one talent buried the talent and the, the master came and said, I'm going to take that and give it to the one with the five who made 10 because he's been fruitful. He's been multiplying. And, and the, the one with one talent said, I was afraid. I hid it. Um, his master answered him, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, let, let me tell you God's economy. You're faithful if you multiply. You're wicked if you maintain what he's been giving you. He didn't lose it. He just maintained it. So I'm saying, let's set the bar a little higher on our expectation. He wants us to multiply. That multiplication is faithfulness in the end times. The enemy wants us to be frozen in fear and just try to hide in a cave and maintain. And Jesus said, you wicked, lazy servant. I gave you everything you needed to multiply. I want you to multiply. And it's the time, treasure, talents. What has he given you? And I don't want you to feel condemned. I want you to feel like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this. And whoa, a million bucks? I mean, this is big. This is not just small. This is all in. What has he given you to steward? The little things, the big things, your whole life. So I just want to encourage you. This is, goes back to Genesis. Be fruitful, intimate, and multiply. It's the same message, the same God, the same expectation. And then the last parable. Yeah, you can go ahead. Thank you. Matthew 25, 31 to 32, it's the sheep and the goats. And, and it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And then he goes on into this passage. And the sheep are the ones that went and visited the naked. 
that visited those in prison, that fed the poor. And it goes back to Genesis. This is our society that has been left alone, that has not had anyone cultivate it, anyone farm it, anyone steward it, care for it, and beautify it. The poor are God's creation. The orphans, the lost, those with mental illness, with every kind of disorder or addiction, or just the depressed or the lonely. God said, you're my sheep. Because when you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. So these three things, I really feel clearly this is the family business. Is intimacy leading to fruitfulness. Taking whatever he's given you and multiplying it. Having faith for more. Taking risks. That's what it is, taking risks. He immediately traded. What are you holding on to that you should be letting go of? And then looking around you, where's something that's broken? Where's something that's in disarray, the forgotten, despised? I'm going to go lift it up. I'm going to cultivate it. I'm going to bless everything around me. And the Lord gave me these three words to kind of describe it. We're to gaze. It's that Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek. To dwell in your presence. To gaze on your beauty. To inquire in your temple. We're to gaze at Jesus, this intimacy. And when we gaze, it actually causes us to grow. You become like what you behold. You become what you behold. If you're beholding Jesus, you're going to grow. And the last thing is you give. You gaze, then you grow, then you give it away. Habakkuk 2.14 says, The glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth like the waters of the sea. In Revelation 21, it talks about the kings of the earth bringing their glory before the throne. You all carry glory. The world needs you to receive more, to activate that, to grow that, to multiply it, and then to give it away. Could you stand to your feet for a moment? I'm just going to pray for you and then ask Keith to come up. As you're standing, I'm just going to read this last verse. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would invite each of us into greater encounters with beholding your glory. With unveiled faces, we take off every veil, everything that hides anything in our lives. We just unveil ourselves and we say, Lord, 
We want to see you. And it says in the Greek, as in a mirror. We want to see who we are reflected in a mirror with an overlay of your glory on us. Show us who we are, Lord. As beloved sons and daughters, they carry your glory. The glory that all creation is groaning for. For that unveiling of our lives so that the glory can shine forth. So just open your hands for a second. I just ask, Holy Spirit, would you just come? Just breathe on us like you breathed on Adam and Eve. Like you breathed on your disciples in the upper room when you rose. Just breathe afresh on us. Awaken intimacy in us. Lift off condemnation, even the condemnation like what I felt yesterday and this morning. Just, just wash away lies and draw us into a deeper dance with you, deeper intimacy. And I just bless the little seedlings, the little bit of fruit. Maybe there's big crops of fruit in some of your lives. I bless your fruitfulness. And I ask, Lord, we all hold our hands open with what you've given us. And I say, Abba, would you multiply it in Jesus' name? Multiplication means double it. Literally, would you double it? Whatever we are stewarding right now, I ask for double in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, would you help us to reach out and cultivate everything around us, Lord. That we'd be generous and give and serve. In the name of Jesus. What a chance to, to pray a blessing over us as we go to receive the fullness that God has for us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, Messiah, King and Creator of the universe. We pray. Amen. Amen.